0: I honestly think there's absolutely no limitations for booking international clients. Again, it's all about that lead generation, putting yourself out there, marketing yourself on Instagram, showing up on podcasts, doing guest writing, guest articles on websites, on blogs, putting yourself out there for interviews, interacting on Instagram, making those reels to reach new people. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former 9 to 5 escapee turned six figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused, or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform, and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea coffee, a glass of rosé with me, and let's turn those dreams into a reality. One of my favorite things about recording podcast episodes is I can do them in my pajamas. Not gonna lie, like let me paint the picture right now. I'm in my silky striped pajamas and have a fluffy blanket wrapped around me and pink fluffy slippers. <laughs> like this is this is often how I do business, actually. If you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen my infamous panda onesie. Today's blanket is actually one that I got gifted back in my magazine days when I worked as an entertainment writer. And I kind of call it my Jon Snow blanket because I wrap it around myself and I feel like I look like Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. And it was sent to me from Sky TV in this beautiful box. It was celebrating, I think, the Emmys. And there was champagne. There was this gorgeous blanket. There were these fancy books and I'm pretty sure there was chocolate in there and it was one of the glorious things about my job that I do definitely miss like I have to admit there were some good perks working in the media world and sometimes I honestly find it a little bit of a shock still about how far I've actually come like I have these little reminders sometimes like my Game of Thrones blanket my Jon Snow blanket (laughs) And it just feels like that was another lifetime ago for me, but it was only two years, two years and one month since I officially left my job and went full-time in my business. And that is not a long time, like two years is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but It feels like a completely different person, a completely different life that I was living. And I I guess, cause it was, and it's really cool to see for me personally, how much my business has grown at that time. Like comparing it to when I was side hustling, when I was charging people like a hundred dollars for social media management, when I was like taking flat lays and taking photos, because that that was how I got started doing a lot of my photography. And that is why I'm so excited to launch my new course. It is called GramCam. I'm pretty proud of the name. I think it's quite clever, GramCam. And it's all about Instagram photography and videography. And the idea with this course is it's really niche and really specific to Instagram and social media because I truly believe that photography and reels, videos, they are different when we're filming them for or we're creating them for Instagram. And often, you know, traditional photography courses don't really cater to social media. So I'm really excited to bring my thoughts to the table as the non professional, as the self taught Instagram photographer. And share all of these insights like how I shoot photos by myself, how I film my reels, how I edit my reels, how I edit photos, and all of those fun little tricks. Because at the end of the day, Instagram is still a visual platform. As important as it is doing, you know, captions and having those calls to actions and having the really good bio and all of that stuff, hashtags, blah, blah, blah. It still all starts with the photo or with the video, with those visuals. So That's why I've created this course, it's been a long time in the making and it is officially launched today if you're listening to this episode on Monday morning when it's come out. So I am going to pop a link to the course in the show notes, please go check it out, even if you're not interested in the course, go check out my sales page because I'm really, really, really proud of it, it looks really pretty. And yeah, this is my first time launching a new course in quite a while. Obviously, I launched Get the Gram. That's going to get confusing, isn't it? I have Gram cam and I have Get the Gram. So Get the Gram was launched in the middle of 2021. And that is really a bigger overview at Instagram marketing as a whole and how to book more clients. So... That is more of a thorough in-depth course, whereas I like to think this new GramCam course is just specifically for photos and videos. It's the kind of course that isn't going to take a huge amount of time for you to do. So, you know, if you are, you know, side hustling at the moment, if you have a full-time job or you're busy, this is just a really nice smaller course that you can do to upskill and level up. There's going to be four core modules and one of them is actually the introductory module. So (laughs) there's probably three core modules really. One is module one is on branding, module two, is on photography and module three is on videography slash Instagram reels because when we talk about videography on social media, we really mean reels and TikTok. So links to all of that in the description or in the show notes of today's episode. And now I really wanted to do a and a for this week's episode. I really just wanted to chat to you guys, keep it casual in my pajamas, <laughs> in my fluffy Game of Thrones blanket and really just answer some of your questions. So I popped up an Instagram story with a little question, box. So if you guys want me to do another episode like this, make sure you're following me at Alan McKenzie. Again, link will be in the show notes below and you can be involved in the next Q&A and get your questions answered. So we have a couple to work through. And the first one that really stood up to me was from Aditi. Aditi, I hope I'm saying that correctly. She is a copywriter and social media manager. And she asks, how do you get clients consistently? And this question really stood out to me because I have been through many phases in my business in terms of how many clients I have, how many leads I have coming in. And especially in 2020, I got up to the last half of the year or the latter half of the year where I was having anywhere between 10 and 15 clients that I was working on a month. So I definitely have... A lot of leads coming in or have had. And the interesting thing that I want to say first about lead generation is your primary focus should be on client retention before lead generation. So the mistake that I really made in 2020 was that I was so focused on lead generation, getting more clients through the door, more clients, more clients. And I forgot, actually, the goal should be looking after the clients I already have and serving them in the best way possible And I developed this kind of bad mindset where I was like, oh, it's okay if like this client isn't super happy with my work because I'll just get another one through the door. And I really sort of learned after I got a few, you know, really good clients who were well-paid and who were just really nice people and just the pleasure and absolute joy to work with. I realized how valuable it is to just focus on building that relationship and making sure these clients stay with me and that's where I've had clients that I've worked with for two years for a full 12 months and they are so valuable rather than focusing a lot of energy on getting new clients through the door so that's the first thing I will say is like when you get those clients really focus on building that relationship and doing great work for them And that is much more valuable than trying to get a brand new person through the door. But to give you some tips and advice when it comes to getting more leads, I will say Instagram is my number one place of leads and new client inquiries. A lot of the time it does send people to my website, like they, they send the inquiry through my website, but a lot of them are coming through. Instagram. And it's a great platform to really advertise yourself and showcase your work. Some people might follow you and then not get in touch for a couple of months. Sometimes it does take some time, but it's just great because you're creating an online portfolio in a way. And the important thing is really just to make sure you're optimizing your profile and your posts and your content for leads. So you're making sure you have those call to actions in there. You have that really clear profile. Maybe you're advertising free discovery calls. You're frequently putting out testimonials and client wins. Even if you just have one client, like absolutely milk it and post their client wins in different formats, get them to do a testimonial, but also do screenshots of their emails saying like, oh my gosh, I love this, this work that you've done. This is amazing. So really, make the most of those testimonials because they really are powerful. And if you want to learn more about how to market yourself better on Instagram, definitely go check out my Get the Gram course. I'll link it below. This is a really a deep dive into focusing specifically for service-based entrepreneurs, how to get more clients on Instagram. And it really walks you through all of the type of content to be posting and what to do with your bio and all of that good stuff. So Instagram is really my number one place. And then the other thing that's really popular into my head, which again goes along with client retention and looking after your clients is I've actually had a lot of referrals in the past year. So people that have had a friend, a business colleague, a business friend that they know reach out and be like, hey, do you know anyone that does social media? And they're like, hey, actually my social media manager, Ellen, is really awesome. Here are her details. And that kind of word of mouth is so powerful. That was how I ended up working with one of my biggest clients last year in 2021 was being on the Vanessa Lau podcast, actually. So again, linking to, you know, publicity making sure you're getting your name out there and you're on different platforms but it actually came through a referral because they asked they worked with Vanessa Lau and they asked her and her team if they had any social media managers and they're like hey we actually just had this chick called Alan on the podcast and she's done Boss Graham Academy, our course, and she sounds really awesome. Check her out. So it's having that little bit of a nudge as someone who had seen my content and being like, hey, she's really cool. You should check her out. That is really valuable. Like I, I cannot get across how valuable it is to have a referral because that client is way more likely to say yes, because there's already somebody validating your work and saying that you're worth the time and the money. So that is my main points and my main tips around lead generation, really optimizing your Instagram profile, marketing yourself through Instagram, and also focusing on the clients you already have, how to get referrals, maybe give them a bonus or like a a discount. Like if you refer another customer to me, I'll give you 10% off your next contract or your next month of work, something like that. On a similar topic, the next question I have here is from Grace, and she has asked, how do you manage international clients? And this is a funny thing because I think people get quite overwhelmed by the idea of international clients. And a lot of it is, again, just rooted in that mindset. I talk about mindset all the time on my podcast and on my social media pages, but I truly believe it's important. And a lot of people get scared and it's just those limiting beliefs talking about like, oh, but how could you possibly work with an international client? Like, who are you? This small little Kiwi girl, like this is what I used to think who are you to go and work with some big American client? Like what makes you think you deserve that or you can do that? And often this is what the deeper rooted belief in our head is thinking and what it comes out in terms of how we express that that limiting belief is, oh, but like, how does that even work? Like, oh, time zones and, and, and how are you going to post in the right time zone if you're asleep? And how do you organize meetings? And like, how is a client even going to bother hiring someone who lives on the other side of the world? And that's how we express it. We come up with these excuses as to why we don't have international clients. And the reality is, is again, I get asked this a lot about working with international clients. It's just the same as working with my local clients. Like my local clients that live in New Zealand, some of them I've never met, right? <laughs> we meet over Zoom or we email. We, we don't have any particular advantage being based in New Zealand. Now, the only thing I would say actually off the back of that is one of my New Zealand based clients, I do product photography and videography for, which is obviously something I can't do for my international clients because it gets really complicated with like shipping products and importing things. Like one of my clients that sells crystals, like that would just be a mission to send over massive crystals to New Zealand to photograph. So instead I'm working with them. And that's one of the key differences with international clients is You're really helping brainstorm content ideas, giving them examples, making Pinterest mood boards, and then you're editing the videos, you're editing the images, and you're curating the content that they provide for you. You're not necessarily creating it from scratch. But the funny thing is, is there's definitely this trend towards all social media managers just doing that. And instead having like professional photographers or instead having the owner taking, you know, photos or videos of their store or of their product. And that sometimes works out a lot better in my opinion. And honestly, if someone wants like a photography and social media package, that's going to be really expensive. And often brands get really turned off by that, I will say. And brands that have the budget to be paying, you know, $2,000 for photography and social media a month, they're most likely going to go and hire a other photographer, you know, like a professional photographer in their town or whatever, someone who can come into their studio or they can work quite closely with. And I honestly think sometimes that does work better. Again, I do have the one client that I do photography and videography for and I love it and it's awesome, but I'm just pointing it out for those of you who maybe don't like photography and you still want to become a social media manager or you want to work with international clients and you're like, how do I do a photography session for someone who lives on the other side of the world? You don't have to do it. So it works both ways. You can do photography as a social media manager and it works great. People love having those packages or you can not offer it and people are happy to find another photographer or do their own photos. Either way, it totally works fine. I honestly think there's absolutely no limitations for booking international clients. Again, it's all about that lead generation, putting yourself out there, marketing yourself on Instagram, showing up on podcasts, doing guest writing, guest articles on websites, on blogs, putting yourself out there for interviews, interacting on Instagram, making those reels to reach new people, getting those those followers in and, and pitching your services to them. It's all part of that process and it works just the same with local clients and international clients. So don't limit yourself. Don't think that it's complicated. It's literally the same process. They just live on the other side of the world. So sometimes they have to get up slightly earlier for a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Hopefully that answers your question, Grace. The next one I have here is from Tanya, who is a graphic designer and digital marketing guru. I love your Instagram, Tanya, if you are listening to this episode. So she has asked, how do you find the right people for outsourcing? And this was a very... Timely question, because as I mentioned in not my last episode, but the episode before that, I did actually end my contract with my community manager recently, and I have worked with my fair few contractors in the past two years trying to find my dream team. And I wish I had some secret I could give you, some secret hack I could tell you, Tanya. But the truth is, is it's just trial and error. Honestly, it's just about hiring people and figuring out if it works. So the first time I hired a virtual assistant, I didn't quite nail it. I'll be honest. I was like, oh, just get a virtual assistant who can help me with like admin things, blah, blah, blah. And when I hired her... I did actually end up losing a client, so I took a, a hit in my income and eventually kind of was like, oh, I think I need to you know, stop having a virtual assistant and just reassess for a couple of months and look at my finances, get another new client. But also part of the reason why I decided to move on from a virtual assistant was I just felt like it didn't fill my needs of what I needed in my business right then. I realized I needed someone who was a skilled writer, someone who could create high quality content for my clients, because at that point was when I did have, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 clients in a month, and I needed help writing captions and someone that I could trust. So I actually ended up hiring my friend Fleur, who I used to work with back in my journalism days. We worked in the same magazine. We sat next to each other in the office for a period of time. So she was someone that I knew could write and she had that little bit of experience. She understood social media. And again, I I found it really hard to outsource and to find someone. So to be able to hire someone who I knew and I trusted took away some of that stress for me because that is one thing, hiring team members, paying them potentially thousands of dollars a month, depending on how many hours you're getting them in for, is really scary for a business owner. You know, you're taking money out of your profit. And again, I had that experience of when I hired someone, then lost a client and was like, I think this is a bit too much right now. So it is a process. And more recently, I hired a community manager because, again, I was like, I need someone who's experienced, someone I can just assign to do tasks. And it was great for the first few months. It was exactly what I wanted. But then I really had this vision of this role as a community manager, someone helping with my client work, but then also helping with my Alan McKenzie brand, someone who could help make my slides for my courses and do stuff with the Dishing Up Digital brand as well. And unfortunately, like the way my business ended up going in 2021 was I just needed more help with the client work and I loved doing content for my courses on my own. I was really happy doing that. And also I wasn't necessarily making the huge amount of money for, to support having like a contractor helping with the Alan McKenzie brand. Like still my, and this surprises some people, still predominantly my income comes from client work. Like it's not, doing things like, I don't know, the podcast or my YouTube or selling my courses, it's still client work. And actually when I did my income report and in my Insiders Club membership, which is where I literally break down all of my streams of revenue, how much I made, how much each course made me. And it's really, really thorough. If you guys miss that live stream, if you're not in my membership group, you can still sign up and watch the replay and access the library of past trainings, a really great deal, uh, monthly fee, and you get so much information. But in this training, I had, let me work out the percentage of my head. I'm so bad at maths. It was something like 75% of my income was still coming from client work. 75 to 80%, I think it might have been. Let's just say, it. let's just say 75. <laughs> and then obviously that 25% was coming through on my courses and it was still a good chunk of money. It really added to my growth this year increasing my my income compared to 2020. It was just interesting to to look at and it really validated that feeling for me that I couldn't really afford to be paying lots of money to a contractor to just help with Alan McKenzie. They needed to be able to help with a lot of my client work. Like that was my predominant income source and I needed help with it because it was it was taking up hours of my week. And I had other things to do as well. So that community manager role didn't really end up working and it wasn't the right person in the role. And now I'm kind of in this point where I've, I've actually let a client go. I also talked about that in my not last episode, the episode before that. So I did trim, trim off a client and I've lowered my kind of my client books of kind of taking on less people. I'm not taking on anyone new to replace that client. So it's actually balanced out quite well, letting go of my community manager, letting go this one client. I'm sort of managing that workload at the moment. And now I'm sort of toying with the idea like, hey, maybe I do need to go back to like having an assistant, someone who can help me with more admin things. Now that I still have I still have Fleur, my writer, who does amazing work for me in terms of producing content for my clients, and it's fantastic. So now I'm like, oh, maybe I could do with uh, an assistant someone who's actually in Wellington, someone who can come to my house. But again, I'm still toying with that idea. And if you guys, again, my membership group, I talked about my goals for 2021 and it's all about like building my dream team and figuring out what that is. So yeah, I will say in response to that question, outsourcing is really difficult. My one major tip is just to go with someone who does have some experience because the whole point of outsourcing is to gain some time back by giving, you know, part of your workload to someone else. And you need someone who's experienced. You don't want to be training someone from scratch because that is a lot of effort and that's why i also like don't take on interns in my business anymore because i found it actually took more work <laughs> to train someone and to help someone rather than like just doing it myself which sounds probably a little controlling and i knew to get need to let some things go sometimes but that is my one thing with outsourcing is now i'm always going to hire someone who has somewhat of some experience and can bring something to the table and doesn't need entirely training on on a new task. And yeah, that would be my main thing. Uh, look at trying to find someone who really fits with your business goals, who fits with your style, your vibe, your energy. I know a lot of people that outsource to countries like the Philippines and Malaysia and whatnot just because it's cheaper and that's how they view it. Like they can pay someone $4 an hour. And for me, I think sometimes it's it's actually, it can be worth it. Paying someone more, like sometimes it is worth going for the more expensive option, and maybe hey, it's actually like the more expensive person in Malaysia or whatever it might be. But for me, that's definitely what I've learned. And with my community manager role, I actually hired the most expensive person that I interviewed because I really believed in paying someone's worth and paying someone who was really skilled. So if you are outsourcing, definitely take the plunge. Hire that person who might be a little bit scary in terms of their their price but they have the experience and they can be a true asset to your team because that's what you want when you're building your dream team. Another question I have here from Erica is, do you use a task management software? I use Trello. If you've done my course, The Dishing Up Digital School, you'll know I use Trello for all my clients as well. All of my projects, separate Trello boards. It's really easy to flip between, which is what I like using it as a social media manager. Again, there's things like Asana and Notion, ClickUp, like all of these things are the same, <laughs> and like I have heard arguments like Asana's better, ClickUp's better, and I use a lot of them actually. I don't just use Trello. Sometimes I'll like adapt my systems to Notion because a client uses Notion or a client uses Asana. And honestly, I use Trello for my personal stuff because I'm very much a visual person, and Trello is very very pretty. I even had a client, my client that uses Notion, said to me like, oh, "I know you use Trello when we were in our onboarding process, but do you mind using Notion? Like it's." where we have all of our other content for our blog and blah, blah, blah. And they even said like, I know it's not as pretty as Trello and I had to get over that too, but it's got a lot of other organization aspects and tools. So it's all about finding what works for you. Like for me, I'm just that visual person. I have to have a pretty software. And I love Trello because it's pretty. I can choose my background, my colors, and it is really nice and organized. It probably doesn't have the same level of capabilities like ClickUp and Notion, but it does the job for me. And I like that I have a separate board for my podcast. I have separate boards for each course. I have a separate board for my team so I can assign tasks to my team members what else do I have on there are oh, separate boards for clients, obviously to keep those all easy. And then with like my copywriter Fleur, if I want her to start writing captions for a client, it's as simple as adding her to the Trello board and she'll be able to find all the images, all the posts. She'll be able to find their, you know, strategy document, their hashtags, all of that kind of stuff is there and ready for her instead of having to give her access to a million other things. It's all on the Trello board. The next question I have is another common one. It says, how did you manage your side hustle whilst keeping your job at the same time? Now, I actually have an entire episode talking about this. Uh, it's called How to Build Your Side Hustle While Working Full-Time. I uploaded it on December 13, 2021, so you might have to scroll back a little bit to find it, but definitely go check that out because that's a full 20-minute episode where I'm kind of discussing this and giving my tips. But I will say my number one thing I really talked about in that episode was time management, making sure you have those to do lists, making sure you time block and you do have to make a little bit of a sacrifice. You know, sometimes it means working late. It means not going out to dinner with your friends. It means coming home and doing a little bit of hustling on your job. Unfortunately, again, I can't wave a magic wand and give you a magic answer. It it does come down to that. So definitely go check out that episode if you are interested in hearing more about that. The last question I think I'm going to answer for today comes from Kesha. Kesha, I think that's how you pronounce it. She asks, are you taking care of accounting or do you have someone doing that? Again, I talk about this in my course. I love doing my own accounting, which is funny because I'm not a numbers person at all. But I think it's really important as business owners to be across all of those insights, to be across our income and our expenses and what's coming in and out of our business. And for me, I use a software called Xero, and it is super user-friendly. And I always thought my first hire when I started my business would be an accountant or a bookkeeper or someone to help me with that. And when I signed up to Xero, I realized that I really didn't need that. It was really easy to link to my bank account. It records all of my transactions, and then it's just a matter of reconciling those transactions, linking payments to invoices, all of that kind of jazz, filing it into different categories for my expenses, It's So easy to keep track of. Again, when I registered for GST, that was an easy addition. It spits out my little GST reports for me, all done nicely. And yeah, I just love that software. I did do like a little bit of a consultation training session with an accountant when I first started my business, just to understand things a little bit better. But again, there's some great information if you're in New Zealand on the IRD website. They have videos, they have great articles that are really, really helpful when you're first getting started. Now, in the future, this might change for me. I think there's definitely a place for an accountant when it comes to saving you money and saving you on taxes when you are making big levels of income. And I think it's something I will maybe outsource in the future, but I think it's important for freelancers, for social media managers to understand that it is actually easy to do your own accounting. It is easy to keep track of, and it is fairly straightforward to then file your end of year tax return or pay. In my case, I pay provisional tax as well because I've already filed end of year tax returns and they're like, hey, you're making lots of money. You have to pay provisional tax as well. (laughs) That's that's a whole other story. But again, it's been relatively easy for me to figure out on my own if there were any gaps in my knowledge. That was what my training session with my accountant was for, just to to brush up on things and just to sort of check my boxes and make sure I was doing everything correctly. For example, I was putting away 30% of each invoice for taxes at the end of the year. And when I did that training session with the accountant, she was like, whoa, 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 it doesn't need to be 30%. She's like, bring that right back down to 20% and you'll still have like heaps extra, like you're, you're safe. So little things like that. And then it was checking like, hey, can I actually expense this thing? Can I expense that? And it was like a yes, it was a no. And it was like, hey, you can actually expense that as well. So it is really nice to get that little bit of knowledge if you are in the financial position where you can afford to hire an accountant for an hour and do a little bit of a training session, do a little bit of a brush up on your knowledge If not, check out the IRD website, or in the US, I think you call it the IRS, and I have heard that's really good for information there. I do know, like I think, it depends on the country you're in as well. I know in the US, the tax system is slightly different, and there are things that are more complicated, there's different forms you have to file, so maybe it is then worth getting a bookkeeper. For me, in little old New Zealand, it's fairly straightforward, and right now, at my stage in business, I don't really need one. So that's gonna be the last question that I answer today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode being a little bit more interactive, having you guys involved, answering your questions. If you want to hear another Q&A episode or you want to be involved, flick me a message on Instagram. Tell me that you enjoyed this episode. Share a screenshot to your Instagram stories if you're watching this. I always love seeing people like watching it or if they're like commuting in their car all of that kind of jazz, definitely tag me, send me a message. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.